So, Chris, we've got the entire house to ourselves. Uh-huh. Do you um remember what the occasion is? Of course I do. It's our 100th episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths. The kids are at my parents' for the whole week. Yep. I've got the whole house covered in candles. You sure do. We've got champagne, oysters, chocolate. Sounds delicious. I absolutely can't wait. I've got the perfect playlist. Ooh, I love some good mood-setting music. And maybe even something a little more comfortable. Oh my goodness. So, after all that, are you ready to celebrate? Just a nice, long time together? Maybe we can, uh... Talk about comics? Yes! I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our 100th episode, where in addition to talking about the first crossover meeting, not the first crossover meeting, the first time Batman and Superman learn each other's secret identities. No, this is the first time they've ever crossed over in one comic. It's both. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I thought this was just the first time they revealed their secret identities. Nope. It took till the 1950s for them to apparently be in the same story. Well, in addition to discussing that gem from Superman number 76, we will also be answering any and all appropriate listener questions. I don't think anybody asked us anything inappropriate. Right. Because we reminded them that we this is a family-friendly show. We did. Now, you may be wondering things like, wow, this this feels like it's going to split at any time. It's going to be like a skit or, you know, like it's going to be maybe we're going to have some really cool guests. Well, we know a lot of podcasts do that, but we decided to take it the exact opposite direction and just do something kind of comfy for, for episode 100. Yeah, I definitely don't have a script that I've been working on for a really long time that I was going to impromptu bust out during this recording. We're just doing a chill episode. Now you're, now they're going to think you're going to do that. Will we or won't we? <laughs> Jeez, Will we, won't we? It's the best form of dramatic tension. We won't. We will not. This is the, this is the comfy sweatpants of Chris's on Infinite Earths episodes. Yeah. Because we deserve it. <laughs> We've done so many of these. By the time you hear this episode, I will have edited over 100 hours of audio. Oh, probably close probably. to like 150. Uh, I mean, we're normally not hour and a half long. That's true. I just feel like we've done some that are really long. We've done, we've done more that are like an hour 20 than we have done in like 45 minuters. So I'm, I'm saying... I'm saying at a hundred plus. That's so many hours. So many hours. And a lot of those I listened to before I realized I could listen and edit it at two times speed. Mm-hmm. Wow. So much of my life, this podcast, and with so, you. With me. With th- you. And this is a roughly 26 episode a year podcast. So this means we've been doing this for about four years. Yes. We had a we had a little, little break in there, but <laughs> we started... In 2017? 
16. Was it 16? That'd be five years. We took a little break. Uh-huh. But I think... It was like a start- summer break. Maybe we did start in 2016, because right. we had really sporadic releases. My gosh, that's five years. That's too many. That's too long. The five years. That's so many slices. So many slices. <sighs> too many slices. My gosh. So our first kid was like a year old when we started this. Yeah. we. He's going into first grade. Oh. We didn't have another kid. This podcast is older than one of our children. Yeah. 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 This is this is really compelling content, but wow, this is really hitting me. Man, maybe we should stop recording and write a script. <laughs> no, it's too late now. <laughs> I do have something that resembles a script, though. Oh, do you now? I do. Is it perhaps our summary? It is a summary. <laughs> Superman number 76, the story called The Mightiest Team in the World, written by Edmund Hamilton, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Stan Kay and John Fischetti, and edited by Mort Weisinger. Batman and Robin capture the last wanted criminal in Gotham, and Robin decides to go visit some relatives, and Batman decides to go on a cruise, I guess. Meanwhile, Superman steals some fossils from the Gobi Desert and delivers them to Metropolis, not cool, before going on a date with Lois, as Clark, of course. Then Lois goes with Clark to see him off on his cruise on the cruise ship Varanya. Guess who else is going to be on this boat? The boat is too full, so it turns out Clark needs to share rooms with some complete stranger named Bruce Wayne. Back on the dock, a guy blows up a fuel truck to cover his escape of stealing some diamonds. Bruce tries to kill the lights to protect a secret identity, but enough light shines on them that the jig is up. They drop it for now, and Batman leaps down to save Lois from the flames as Superman puts the fire out. The dudes figure out whoever stole the diamonds is probably traveling on the boat, so they get permission from the captain to catch the bad guy. However, Lois is now aboard, covering the story for the Daily Planet. The world's finest zoom back to their room, where Clark pretends to be seasick and Bruce pretends to take care of him. The guys turn back to superhero garb and decide to keep Lois out of their hair by Batman fake making a pass at her and Superman pretending he's jealous. It's a terrible plan, and Lois overhears it anyway and starts hitting on Batman to make Superman jealous. Superman and Batman figure out a man posing as an engineer is lying about his profession and carrying a gun. A man named John Smilter. However, they can't find the diamonds. Lois asks Batman, who then himself asks Superman, to a dance that night where the two heroes do some stunts as a floor show. But while the two are distracted, Smilter tries to get away via helicopter, even taking Lois hostage. However, Superman has to suddenly tow the boat as their turbines have failed, leaving it difficult for them to catch up with the helicopter. Batman is launched bodily by Superman, and Batman catches the crooks. Clark Kent, quote-unquote, miraculously recovers, but the timing is suspicious to Lois. So that night, Superman flies Batman to bust a crime in Gotham, and then quickly back to the ship, so Lois has dinner with Clark and Bruce while hearing about the crime on the radio. Then, as they dock, Bruce disguises himself as Clark, and Superman greets the two of them at port. Everyone's secret identity is safe, and Robin goes on a date with Lois. Yep. Well, that was a fun little little ten pages or so there. It was a really short short comic, but somehow like a lot kind of happened. This is definitely a story that I feel like would be stretched out to at least one issue nowadays, and maybe even like over several. 
Yeah, and I don't know that they would benefit from that. No, it definitely would not. This is this is a really interesting one. Imagine, I, 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 it's hard for me to not want to compare it to the way that stories are told today, particularly because when we do our events and our crossovers, they tend to be things that happened post like 1985. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, when Secret Wars and Crisis started, that was right. kind of the era of the big punchy crossover. And now everything is like an event or a saga and everything is big. Right. And it's interesting that imagine if, let's say, the same storytelling um, conventions occur, but for some reason, until 2021, Batman and Superman have literally never teamed up. Imagine like what they would do now to tell that story. It would be like an eight issue mini. There'd be tie-ins. There would be like, there'd be like a like. Let's say it started in like the summer in like. March, we would start seeing ads in the magazine where they would have like this, the Superman symbol and the Batman symbol. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like the world's finest team up July 2021. And people would be like, what? It's just funny that instead it's just like they, they team up for the first time to catch this random jewel thief on a boat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically, like their first team up, like their first meetup isn't even fueled by solving a crime. It's just a totally random happenstance occurrence. Yes. Where they take a cruise and wind up in the same room. It's just, it's fun. It's fun in the way that I really enjoy about comics, that it can be fun. I love, like, the, I love the little popcorny comics. I love, you know, kind of a Sunday strip feel. It, it it's it's warm fuzzies. It's nice. It does. It's not incredibly thought provoking, <laughs> and that's a good thing. Christy's like, why should comics make me think? Sometimes I don't want to think a thought. Sometimes <laughs> I just want to read a fun story. Christy just wants some some crime fighting vibes. Mm-hmm. Although you know, if they had to fight a crime, like Jewel Thief was is like really low on my list of like crimes I would want them to solve. Now he did also uh, like blow up a truck and which like almost hurt Lois in the flames. Right. But that's because Lois is a is a nosy busy boss body. Like she would have been fine. (laughs) She she had to get in there. She's not a nosy busy body, she's a reporter. Right. Right. You're like, yeah, and what does that say about reporters? (laughs) Reporters really gotta get right up close to the flames in order to report. Yeah, especially when uh before the age of like TV cameras really reporting everything. So she's a newspaper reporter. Right. She could have just written about it. It would have been fine. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of Silver Age tropes to this that I find kind of interesting. I don't know if delightful is the right word, but a large portion of the plot is dedicated to them having to conceal their secret identities in really convoluted ways. Right. That happens a lot in Silver Age DC. I say Silver Age. This is technically, if I recall correctly, it is very close to the start. Some people have the Silver Age start with the fl- the se- like the second Flash showing up. And I'm pretty sure this is before that. Mm. I've heard some people even say, like, the Fantastic Four. This is definitely before that. This is like 10 years before Fantastic Four comes out. Okay. This came out when, like, my dad was, like, little. Mm. Like, probably too little to read. Just imagining a little Chris's dad. Just a little, just a little Chris's dad, just with a with a with a very large comic because this had like mm-hmm. thirty or forty mm-hmm. pages or something. And, you know, the same little mustache. 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> like babies, like babies have. But I love the like the secret identity thing is like so paramount that it comes up like a ton. Mm-hmm. And the whole like making Lois jealous thing. I read a lot of le- early Legion comics and like Superboy comics where it's all about like Lana Lang and and people being jealous of Superman. And like being like, oh well, I'm gonna hang out with this other boy. Like that happens a like a lot. Well, you can really tell that the men who wrote comics understood women on a deep level. Were you really bothered by that? I feel like a lot of no, it, it, it's fine. It's the it's it's the popcorn flavor. It's fine. That's interesting. Like you are unbothered by Silver Age comics. I feel like you you tend to like see right through them. Where like any of like the like the like terrible attitudes. And I'm not saying any, but like the the general like undertone of misogyny that seems to like really permeate a lot of them. Well, you can read something from a time period where that was common and recognize mm. like it doesn't come from a place of willful ignorance. It's just it, you never know with comics guys, but you you never know. But it like it, and I know it's it's rough to say it's of the times, but it's not like blatant misogyny. Like it's just like. Those gals in there. <laughs> no one's calling Lois like a like like dumb or anything, <laughs> right? But like you know, which of us do you think she prefers? And yeah, they, they love that stuff. There's the whole thing on the ship where, well, if Batman and Superman are here, why don't they do some stunts? It's just interesting to me because, like, to some extent, the crime fighting feels like more like a, a conceit of like, oh, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. Like even like the, well, we, we, we solved the last crime in Gotham. I cannot even imagine that happening. Right. <laughs> right. Robin is going to go hang out with his relatives, not his parents, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. He's like, I'm going to go hang out with my cousins for a week. And right. as opposed to it being like, Bruce absolutely has to be in Gotham to make sure that no crimes happen. It's like, eh, we're, we're fine for a weekend. Right. Yeah. Take a break. I like it. I mean, it's simplistic in a way that reads, this is a comic, and it's a comic kids are meant to be able to read and mm-hmm. understand. Like, I love Silver Age because comics were for kids. <laughs> Chrissy reads a comic for adults and is like, no. To be fair, I think there's a lot of good comics for adults. And I even think there's good superhero comics for adults. I think a lot of what passes for superhero comics for adults these days is, in fact, like, childish but with like an overtone of like just extra violence Mm -hmm. rather than like like the storytelling does not lend to an adult sensibility necessarily Mm -hmm. like the art is always beautiful like when you look at the art now versus what was possible Mm -hmm. in silver age comics like it it, is very clear like the improvements and 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 all of that while there's still something kind of fun and nostalgic about you know, Silver Age art, the flat colors, and just, mm-hmm. it's it's fun. But the writing, I I like when comics remember what they are. <laughs> well, that's like, um, I was reading a bit from Grant Morrison today where they said something about- I, I should revise my statement. I like when superhero comics remember what they are. Because yeah. comics c- can do lots of things. Yeah. We, I mean, we are primarily a superhero comics podcast. Yes. So I know what you mean. But yeah, l- literally the, the art form of a sequential story can be kind of whatever it wants to be. <laughs> right. But I think it's important to point that out because I feel like the two get conflated a lot. 
I feel mm-hmm. like if I grabbed somebody off the street and said comics, they would probably assume I meant superheroes. Yeah. As opposed to the fact that there's tons of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, that are Sunday funnies, which. Right. But well, anyway, Grant, Grant Morrison said in an interview that like superhero comics were like, it was like something about the, like the strange, like, what did, what did they say? But it was the, the fruits of a deranged mind. <laughs> and that like, to them, the best superhero comics are like things that are just completely out there. Mm-hmm. Like having fun, being weird, and I kind of feel that way. Like I would rather something be real out there. Like I, I feel like I've tweeted a million times. Just please, just make it weird. Whatever yeah. you do, just make it strange. I I enjoy weird too. I can enjoy popcorn and weird. Well, I in some ways <laughs> I kind of think this feels weird. It doesn't feel not for the times, but just like the fact that the superheroes meet on a cruise instead of like you know fighting some sci-fi villain. I find kind of like delightfully strange. Mm-hmm. Well. I feel like the entire development of this story is how do we get Batman and Superman to meet and to know what their identities are? Like, how could that happen in a way? Because no, neither of them would ever intentionally reveal it. Well, they'd have to, you know, catch each other changing into their costumes. In the same and- room. It's so mundane. They turn out the lights, but light from outside shines in. Yeah, the fire gets really big and it shines in through the port. They're not like, hey, can I step into the bathroom and... And change. Superman could have super sped out of there, and Batman would have barely noticed. But no, we had it was just, it's, <laughs> it's delightfully mundane. It's mundane. It's it's delightfully also mundane to me how Superman seems to only have the power of like flying and being strong. They like he does like nothing else. Um, he inhales some water vapor and he mends uh, bullet holes. That's right. He does do that. Mm-hmm. So he puts out the fire with his breath. With super his, breath. With his water vapor super breath. Yeah, not his cold breath. Not his cold breath. I don't think cold breath was a thing at this point. Yeah. yeah. And welded bullet holes shut with his, his laser eyes? Does he have? His heat vision. His, his laser, nope. laser eyes heat vision. <laughs> laser eyes heat vision is my favorite Electronica album. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the title of this episode. <laughs> And you, we talked a little bit about what some misogyny in this with the treatment of Lois, but Lois isn't treated as inept at any point. She's viewed as like Superman's like, you have no idea the trouble she causes. Not like the trouble. Like she's just very smart and observant. Right. Uh, like she, they, they make the and, plan and she catches it immediately. Right. She like they don't even get to execute the plan, and she's already like tipping it on its head. So she's incredibly capable. Yeah, I I don't I think it's more of a well look at how Bruce look at how dumb Bruce and Superman are. Mm. Or, I say Bruce and Superman look look at how dumb Bruce and Clark are. Uh-huh. They're not even just stating their plan out in the open and thinking that Lois will be distracted by by flirting and jealousy. Uh huh. When she's clearly not right, it's it's very good. <laughs> I do love that they're like this is the only way to distract her is with flirting. <laughs> she's like, really, really, guys, this is what we're doing. I'll show you. I'm gonna figure it out, and I'm gonna go on a date with your sidekick. That, that was That's bizarre. No weird. <laughs> I'm going out to dinner with Robin. Was Dick just there waiting? Uh, I did. Did the sh- did the ship? Dock in Gotham or Metropolis? I, I'm not positive. But Dick was Dick was there when they got off the ship. Yes. 
Uh, he must have just gotten there. He must have just known Batman was going to be there. Mm-hmm. He, he was there to wait for Batman, and uh, Lois found him and was like, hey, you should take me to dinner, just to be like, oh, now I can make both guys jealous. Of a teen. <laughs> I mean, it's it, the way it's presented, she's like, oh, he's such a nice young man. It's not, I don't right. it's obviously it's, not meant to be creepy. Right. Like, the, I feel like anybody's trying to make that claim. Uh, it's it's no. It's very silly. No. Yeah. Mm. It's just fun. Yeah. It's neat. Did you just have a, did you have a delightful little time mm-hmm. reading it? I, I mean, there weren't as many. I could have done with some more yucks. Yeah, it was, it was not very jokey. Mm-mm. I think I would have liked a, a better investigation. Like, it was kind of cool that Batman got to use, like, his deductive reasoning and Superman just, like, used his x-ray vision and that's kind of <laughs> how they figured it out. It was, like, a nice blend of both of them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I think... I think if your story can be tell- told in 10 pages, it should be. I do think in general, a story should be told the, sh- the shortest way possible with still making it coherent. Mm-hmm. I think that is that is definitely true. Cut out the fluff. Cut out the fluff. I say this, but I also love like, there's been three hour movies I watched where, you know, a shot is like 10 minutes and I'm like, this is, this is a revelation. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just imagine the same thing in a comic, though. You just keep turning the pages, and it's just the same picture over and over again. Face slightly tilted. I would be like, wow. This is art. This is... Whoa. This is winning the Eisner. Well, do we have do we have a couple of listener questions? We do. We, we kind of divvied it up. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into some questions, both... Related to 76 and asking us whatever. We have one question related to the comic um, from at Asimov Fangirl who asks, what do you think a BFF hangout day between Clark and Bruce would be about? Picnic, fancy dinner, just chilling in nature. I think I want them to do a super fancy escape room. Ooh, that would be fun. And mm. I feel like every time that happens in a superhero comic, things go bad. Yeah, that's like... But most of the time, it, start, it, it is a murder escape room from Jump. I think I just want it to be a super hard, less murdery space escape room. Mm, mm. Mm. See, I want them to go on, like, a museum. Like, a BFF date. Like, mm-hmm. they, go to the, they go to, like, the Museum of Natural History. Batman real just gets real splainy. I feel like I feel like they'd have a lot of fun with that, and then Superman would be like, "Hold on, let me take you to my fortress. I'll show you some really cool stuff." <laughs> That's right. I got a space lion in my museum. <laughs> and then you know, Batman's like, "Wait, wait, wait! You got to come to the Batcave." I got a big statue of a tyrannosaur. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it, it, it's really the the meeting of their interests. They do just like collecting stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like weird hobbyists. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> just imagining what weird hobbies they could be into. Imagine if they were like both into Beyblades or something. <laughs> I'm not sure I know even know what Beyblades are. It's basically tops that you that you can make fight oh, each other. Oh. You like they have like a pole, and then you're like you like let them rip. And in there, it is an anime. And in the anime, Moses parted the Red Sea with a Beyblade. <laughs> see, I could ha- see like Superman having a collection of of tops from 
throughout the universe. Oh, some top where if you spin it, it like moves into the fourth dimension and disappears. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Man, I'm giving these away for free. I can't. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> so that's our only one related to the to to the the story, which is fine. It is not. Yeah. The yeah. world's most uh, complicated story. Well, let's let's get on into the asking us anything. Yes, our our lit our almost anything questions. Almost anything. Our first one comes from At Play Comics Cast, who asks, "How has your process changed slash improved since starting the podcast? What simple thing are you doing now that you wish you'd started doing a lot earlier?" Uh, I feel like we really figured out a division of labor with the podcast. Who does what? You handle the summaries because for a while, I think. I was writing the summaries. For a bit, you were writing the summaries because I didn't... I, at first, I had to be convinced of them. Convinced that they were that a they were useful, useful addition. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was a suggestion after our first episode, having the, the summaries in there just as a recap for anybody who maybe has read it, but read it a while ago, or hasn't read it and still wants to listen to the show to decide if they want to read it. Right. So that, I already mentioned that I only discovered partway through that I could edit the podcast uh, sped up. Mm. Uh, And that's useful. I feel like my whole process of editing has become really streamlined in how I do things. Like it's a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was taking no notes other than the summary. It saved a lot of time and I don't, I don't think I've really lost anything. When I started out, I felt the need to identify every character I saw on every page and look up their histories. Mm-hmm. And when I went on maternity leave and we took that break, I feel like that's when we made a lot of the, these changes because I'm like, okay, we have a second kid now. Things are a lot. If we're going to continue to do this, how are we going to do this in a way that's sustainable, that works? I'm like, I'm not going to take quite a, I'm not going to take all those super detailed notes. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really helpful, I think, starting out to get a sense for what was going on, what was do- and what we were doing. And also, you know, once I learned quite a few characters, I was in a pretty good spot. Mm-hmm. But I would never go back and take notes the way I did when I started out. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, part of that was also maybe the crisis broke you a little. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. We were making our my our way through that. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Are they all like this? Like, I can't do this. I think they've become less like this. I think we picked some of the more complicated ones right off the bat. We really, really did. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel like we figured out a way that, that works for us. I like how, Oh, you started writing the cold opens too. I always wrote the cold opens. I think I've written every single one except for maybe one. Mm. No, maybe that's right. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to remember. It was five years ago, it readers. Was. I've written a uh, hundred cold opens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so many. <laughs> Our next question comes from at Arthur Stacy, who asks, what's your favorite excuse for a crossover? Example, annuals, publishing, co- cooperating, multiple timelines, slash realities, money-making event, etc., etc. What's my favorite excuse for a crossover? Hmm. Um, I feel like if it doesn't do something big narratively... Um, if we, if it's truly just an excuse and not a story that's really been built to, uh, I, I like a kind of a short one-off, like an annual or like I, I have fun with the wacky, like the Looney Tunes ones and mm. the, the, the ones that are kind of gimmicky unless there is a really good, compelling 
story there. I I don't want a big story crafted around, well, how do we get these characters together and make some money? Like, give me some fun gimmicky popcorn mm-hmm. or give me a really compelling story. That's fair. I think for me, it has to be the culmination of a long run as opposed to something that feels like it interrupts a bunch of runs. Yeah, that's true, too. We didn't read a lot of the Wonder Woman run, but War of the Gods is actually kind of an example of that. Like, it was many issues and ended on an event. part of what was really hard for me reading War of the Gods, because I didn't fully appreciate the narrative payoff. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's probably my favorite excuse. Mm -hmm. Most excuses are bad. Most of it is just editorial wants a summer event and they have to think of something. So mm-hmm. I don't love that. I don't Was there a summer event this summer? Hellfire Gala? Yeah. Mm, I think King and Black was the last big one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like when events muck up stories in runs, mm-hmm. interrupt them, or cause things to change course. Yeah, yeah. or like hijack something. Mm-hmm. Justin Partridge at jpartridge3 asks, what is your favorite 100th issue of a series? I have a feeling Christy does not have one. Yeah, I don't I don't think any series that I have read all of has, has gone, to, gone to 100 issues. I had to look because I actually think post, like, when I, I started reading comics in 2008, there haven't been a ton that have gone to 100 mm-hmm. uh, since I've started. Uh, my answer is going to be Uncanny X-Men, which the 100th issue is is a Claremont. The X-Men fight these robot duplicates of themselves. It has a very cool cover. Mm. Um, that's probably mine. I looked for a lot of ones. I was like, Amazing Spider-Man, I haven't read it. Batman, haven't read it, but it's old. Superman, haven't read it, but it's older. Action Comics, Detective Comics. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's... there's uh, I mean, there's tons, but modern, pretty rarely. Mm-hmm. Even like the big runs don't get to a hundred. I don't think Jason Aaron wrote a hundred issues of Thor, and he wrote Thor for a while. Yeah, and it was in different volumes, so it really never got to a hundred. Even if he wrote a hundred of them. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. We don't we don't get many one hundreds nowadays. It's true. It I think it's swinging back a little bit, but for a lot of those series, they're past a hundred. Like Action Comics is at one thousand whatever, but it's at a thousand whatever. It's not going mm-hmm. back to a hundred. Right. Next question is from at Austin Gorton. Who are your respective favorite comic book Chris's? I'm guessing Austin doesn't means not us. Cause I would just say you probably. Oh, I, I thought Austin meant a Chris in Wait, a comic. I thought he meant a Chris who makes comics. Oh, I don't know very many. Uh, Christopher Summers is. Yeah. Is Cyclops's dad. He's probably my favorite in universe. Christopher. I cannot think of another one. I'm sure there there's, there's some. Yeah, you're my favorite Chris in comics. Ah, uh, you're sweet. I did write. <laughs> I did write one story that showed up in a comic, so that can maybe count. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like creators who's a favorite Chris. There's always Claremont. There is. Yep. But I feel like we've had some rough Claremont interactions, even if you like Claremont <laughs> comics. Yeah, that's that's probably good. <laughs> <laughs> From Ad Daniel P. Grote. Who asks, what two movies in your Criterion collection do you think should cross over? Oh, this is a good question. Hmm. Lady Snowblood and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Lady Snowblood is what Kill Bill is based off of. It's a it's a revenge story with, with a lady with a sword. Mm. And I think that would be great with the delightful lesbian energy of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> uh, 
was one of the Godzilla films in the Criterion Collection? There's like 12. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. But one of the Godzilla films with Princess Bride. (laughs) That'd be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Dread Pirate Roberts versus Godzilla. Versus Godzilla? Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's a good one. Good question. We now have several from at Asimov Fangirl. Hi, Chris's. I know this might get difficult because of the lack of time, but what comics not scheduled for the show do you like or would like to read? So what sort of comics that are not crossovers do we like? Mm. Oh, that are not crossovers? There's ones that we haven't gotten to, because we might get to any crossover. Like, Yeah. There's, there's... If we're talking about crossovers, uh, I like Final Crisis. We haven't covered that yet. I... Mm haven't read many crossovers that we are not for the show that's normally why i read a crossover you i read mean civil war 2 i we, we yeah i read empire i read avengers vs. x-men mm-hmm. you did uh, not like that mm-hmm. uh the ten of swords and yeah yeah read that uh, but i don't know i don't know um what i what i like <laughs> or like to read i don't know if there's anything that i'd like to read see that's part of the the not knowing part like it's not like man there's this thing i've really been meaning to read (laughs) yeah you are not the kind of comic fan who like keeps a list of things that she wants to do later that's not really a Mm -mm. a i'm not gonna track my progress i'm not gonna (laughs) keep a check unless it's like a short-term thing yeah i use short-term goals long-term comic goals Mm. the the so to be perfectly honest, we've covered most of the crossovers that I've wanted to cover for mm-hmm. Chris's. The ones that I still really want to hit, DC 1 million, mm-hmm. um, which is a gimmicky crossover where they figured out if action comics continued on and eventually got numbered 1 million, like month to month, mm-hmm. what century would that be in and what would the what would the world be like then? So it's this like far future uh, sort of yep. story. I want to do DC 1 million. It's another Grant Morrison one, so mm-hmm. I like it. Final Crisis, also another Grant Morrison one. Uh, Infinity Gauntlet, which mm-hmm. is what all of those MCU movies were based off of. It's an mm-hmm. early 90s one by Jim Starlin. Mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. That's really it, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're not going to find me like really pining to cover Avengers versus X-Men. Uh, right. Like, I guess we could do it at some point. Uh, it's twelve issues, and I think we could do it in two episodes. I feel like nothing happens, mm-hmm. but that's kind of that's kind of it. I, I mean, I've started to say when we run out of crossovers that I want to cover, we we or that we want to cover, we we stop the part podcast and start an audio drama because <laughs> audio true. drama is something that I have been interested in, and mm. there's no way I, I thought I could do it. I, like in a very several very manic times in my life uh-huh. thought yeah let's do this let's make this happen i think i talked about it on the podcast several times very excited mm-hmm. did some things and i was like oh the logistics of making this all happen is just not something i would have time for so i guess that's kind of a uh would i would i like to that we haven't done that that outside of just talking about comics right something that's an even more creative endeavor that would probably be more time consuming. Probably. Mm-hmm. But with a start, set, and end. Whereas, right. We don't have really have a Curses on Infinite Earth's end. It mm-hmm. is when we feel like stopping. Yeah. Five years. That's true. It's a long time. It's a long time. 100 episodes. All right. Second question Which shows or cartoons do you like to watch with your kids? Um, we watch so, a lot of Spider Man with our very youngest. Uh huh. Our youngest loves, like, any Spider-Man on 
Disney, mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Like we binged a lot of the uh, Spider Man and His Amazing Friends recently. Uh, he loves that. The the new one, not the seventies one. No, the seventies one. You doing a lot of the seventies one? Yes. Oh, I was not here for that. No. But he, there's a new Spider Man and His Amazing Friends, or it's I think maybe Spidey and His Amazing Friends or something. Yeah. And that's like little. That's the one with Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. He likes that too. Yeah. Spider Man a Gwen. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, this is the one with Iceman and um and Fi- Firestar. The Firestar. That's where Firestar premiered and then eventually showed up in comics. Oh wow. Isn't that cool? It's like Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. And our eldest, he really likes watching YouTube streamers, and I don't actually enjoy watching no. those things. He likes Minecraft a lot and wants to figure out how to do stuff in Minecraft, so he likes to watch people doing Minecraft things. Yeah. What are some cartoons that I've managed to get him to watch? He will watch the Spider-Man movie yeah. if it's on. Yeah. And he likes it. Mm-hmm. We watch a lot of PBS shows with our kids. We do watch a ton of PBS. He also likes like science videos on YouTube, and I'm trying to get him to- towards some slightly better produced ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll put up like a documentary about space, and he'll be like into it for like 10 minutes, and then like attention. Yeah. I'm like, how do we get, how do we get first grade type? length of content but well produced right because he's very smart mm-hmm. he just does not have a very long attention span oh our youngest also really likes blippy not a cartoon and we mm-hmm. don't like it no nope. oh and gummy bears the gummy bear um oh yes like gummy bear music videos i feel like those are on the way out yes Next question, what jams would you like to try to make slash taste? My mom makes tomato jam to serve with poppers and recently made pineapple one with habanero to experiment. Well, Pineapple habanero, perfect flavor. That sounds good. That Mm. sounds very good. Uh, I need to, I made blackberry jam, but I want to try that blackberry jam with some jalapenos in it. That's a goal here. Um, Strawberry jam would be good, but we never seem to get enough strawberries. Yeah, we didn't. Our second plant that we got didn't produce as much as we thought it would this summer. Our first one has done fine yeah. enough for enough for like meals and stuff, but yeah. not like enough production for what are we going to do with all these strawberries? Whereas our blackberries have produced tons, just so gobs. much. I have so much in the freezer right now. Um, but like, if just to try any, I don't think I've ever had a tomato jam. Yeah, I've never thought about tomato jam, tomato chutney or whatever, like a tomato paste. Made of mm-hmm. sauce? Ever made a jam? Is it, is it like sweet? I don't know. We'll have to look up some some recipes for tomato jam. Yeah, I mean, for like dipping like a tomato thing to dip poppers in sounds pretty good. Yeah, I would do that. I wonder if it's sweetened. If it's, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. I'd try it. Mm-hmm. And oh, favorite musicals. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you that I was definitely on the Hamilton train, and I know people have pointed out some problematic things about it. And 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 Lin Manuel, a man who has profited from some some strange ventures. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but definitely enjoyed that. But like trying to think about like my comfort musicals. Uh, um, you like the Fantastics? I do. The Fantastics is one of my absolute favorite musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very good. It's the right combination of weird and thoughtful and emotional and introspective and gorgeous music. Yeah. Uh, in high school, I liked all the really dumb popular ones that everybody likes. 
Rent and Wicked and Avenue Q. Oh yeah, Avenue Q. And Phantom. Mm-hmm. I like I like Sondheim musicals, mm-hmm. and I still like them. I think Into the Woods is still good. Uh, I have a whole bunch of musicals that I would love to see, like on Broadway or just a really nice production of. But yeah. it it's hard in the the middle of the country. Yeah, there's a lot that we could go to, but a lot of the ones that tour out here are like your very like fluffy musicals. Grease, mm. right? You know, I do like. I have not seen the stage production, but I like the Mamma Mia movie musical. <laughs> and it's sh- like, I think that's the best example of the, of, of like a musical that definitely had a musical conceit rather than a plot conceit. And the mm-hmm. plot came later. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot like that, like rock of ages. And, um, well the one Jersey boys, which is about mm-hmm. Frankie Valley, that that's just autobiographical if I recall correctly. So that one, that one probably doesn't count. Have I ever told you about, speaking of Mamma Mia, um, there was a theater festival that I went to in high school, and a lot of the like the conventions and everything have a whole bunch of classes that you can attend, and I went and learned the some of the choreography for Mamma Mia from the choreographer, uh, and yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, oh, we never got to go to those in Southeast Missouri. Mm-hmm. I always kind of wanted to, because I was like, oh, it'd be fun. Because I, I, it's interesting, because my, my, like, the friends that I hung out with the most were not really theater people with very small amount of overlap, mm-hmm. but I kind of found a lot of interest in theater through the theater people. But then like we wouldn't hang out much outside of that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a shame. Well, maybe after the podcast, I can show you a little of my dancing queen. Oh, but please. <laughs> I remember very little. Ex- <laughs> very little. That was oh, so many moons ago. Were you were you eighteen? Was that senior year? Mm-hmm. That one was probably the International Thespian Festival, so it was the summer before my senior year. Seventeen. So, so sixteen. No, fifteen years ago. If it was the summer yes. before. Oof. That was, that was, that was a, half a life ago. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! Oh, and I do love Les Mis. That's probably my favorite one. Oh yeah. I'm very I'm good. Very boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Last one, favorite Pokemon, Bulbasaur. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, we have we we, we have, have a slightly same. fun story about both of our favorite Pokemons being Bulbasaur because around the time we met in college, there was a thing like, "Oh, make your profile picture, uh, your favorite Pokemon," and I put mine up as Bulbasaur, and then Chris was like, "Man, I can't put it as Bulbasaur too. It'll look like I'm doing it just because Christy's doing it, and I want her to like me." So I put up Squirtle, who is also a good Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But then I think you told me, like, Bulbasaur, Bulbasaur is really my favorite Pokemon. Because yeah. you kind of made fun of me about Squirtle. You're like, not as good as Bulbasaur. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Next question comes from at SCG Walker, Samuel Walker, who asks, hey, Chris's love your cast. Thank you. Hey, for a Marvel reader, what's the most accessible DC crossover? And for a DC reader, what's the most accessible Marvel crossover? What's a great crossover to crossover to, if you will? This is such a good question. It is really good. It's very hard. I, I feel like I got one for the DC reader who wants to cross over to Marvel. Okay. Hickman's Secret Wars. Okay. With the different with the with the the different universes all melding together. Mm-hmm. I feel like a, my joke with with the the quintessential DC crossover is it's always multiversal, and the quintessential Marvel crossover is everybody piles on a bad guy or heroes fight each other. It's one mm-hmm. of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, which crisis would we tell them to read in DC? <laughs> 
Well, no, I almost, not any of I almost wonder if it should be something else. That's a really... Is Invasion kind of Marvel-y? Oh, yeah? Maybe? Like, there's a decent amount of characters there, but there were really fun tie-ins to that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think that's I think that's a decent one. Yeah. To some extent, I would almost say Final Crisis, too, because it's another one of those, like, pile on the bad guy things. For being a crisis, it is weirdly not about the multiverse. And also, and kind of about the... No, it's not terribly about... Someone's going to disagree with me. I don't think it's about the multiverse. They fight Darkseid. It's very... I'm going to suggest Zero mm. Hour, and you should start with issue zero. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a joke, readers. Don't start with that, and don't start with that issue. At Play Comics Cast asks, "What's the co- where's the coolest place you've taken that shirt?" This confused me, and I asked, "What shirt?" And Play Comics Cast said, "The one that we're wearing when we answer this question." I don't know the coolest place that I've taken my nondescript blue shirt. To be honest, hmm. I'm like, have I taken it on a trip? Probably. Hmm. Maybe. I've had it for a bit. Like, has this gone with me to L.A.? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I don't think it went to, with me to Jersey. Yeah, did it go with you to, like, WrestleMania? I mean, yeah, it's obviously pro- not the shirt you wore to WrestleMania. It probably did go with us to Orlando when we were there for WrestleMania. Yeah, so it probably went to Universal Studio. Yeah, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Where's the, where'd this shirt go? This is Christy's so, wearing her oversized Southeast Missouri Red Hawk shirt. Yeah, this is a shirt that I got in college that I think was maybe shot out of a cannon at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At some sort of, like event um it it's huge it's massive it's just a, a big comfy shirt to wear and i don't know if i've really taken you, it anywhere cool because it's just like a pajama shirt yeah you wear it to do comfy things it uh-huh. is like the sweatpants of shirts right it's a great shirt because it's long enough to cover like my whole butt uh-huh. and so it's like a t-shirt dress, but not stylish. Yeah, just, just very large. <laughs> At Big Dad Energy has a couple questions. What was the best mid two thousand Screamo band? None of them. I did not like Screamo. I hated Screamo. See, which is interesting because I'd consider some of the music that you like a little Screamo. What music? You liked like brand new. They kind of do some yeah, screaming. I, their later albums did, uh-huh. and, and did I not did like not that. like them. What Daisy? What was that? Would you what con- was that? Would you consider Taking Back Sunday to be Screamo? I don't think so, but I wasn't super into Taking Back Sunday. What about like the used? Mm. I kinda liked the used for a while. I don't think I like enough of them at all anymore. I would not like I loved My Chemical Romance. I do not consider them Screamo. I don't think they are. Mm-mm. But I do think they have a, a somewhat similar vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Someone someone will yell I'm at me. I have terrible about... music taste. There's a band my friend's boyfriend was really into that was Screamo and it was uns- insufferable. Like, but I, like I, I really disliked it. Uh, there was a band that my ex really liked that I did not ever end up liking. It was called Emery. That was it. That was the one. <laughs> Emery. I hated Emery. Hated it. It's weird because they would scream and then kind of sing like this, like kind of like soft. And I'm mm. like... I don't understand. See, when I think of Screamo, that's what mm. I think of. And I'm just like, no, it is. Screamo's just bad music. Sometimes they would just start a, a song by, like, screaming. Mm-hmm. You, you have no idea the amount of, like, local shows I went to. Like, my boyfriend's playing a show. I'm going to go to the show. See him at the show. And how many bands were just like, that was what they were imitating. They were like, Wah! Like, the whole thing was just them screaming. I'm like, 
Like, A, that's not good. B, ow, your voice? That has to hurt. Yeah, I, w- I was not terribly into them. I liked I liked things like Panic at the Disco, like their first album, which is not mm-hmm. Screamo. It is... I am notorious it's, for it's liking alt, but... liking bands like first like one or two albums and mm. then just feeling like absolutely betrayed when they do something different. Yeah, that is a very Christy thing. <laughs> Which is funny because for for you, you liked both Panic albums, even though they are incredibly different from each other. I did. I did. I did not like the second one because I was like, this is this is a poor poor imitation and departure. But those were the only two with the original people, and then it's just become something different. Right. Um, his second question is, why is food such a universal way to share love with friends? Probably well, reacting to the fact that we post a lot of food pictures. Okay. Food is a basic need. It it's is. something that everybody, you know, needs. And there are very few ways that friends can provide basic needs for other people. Like, they're not that there are very few ways. There are a few opportunities built in. Mm-hmm. To our society and sharing food with someone is an acceptable way to meet a basic need in a way that really, you know, shows love. And I am a huge fan of the simple joys and the simple pleasures, like a well-cooked meal. Like, you know, you may not be able to house someone or like pay for all of their medical costs, Mm -hmm. but you can make someone a nice meal and it's the effort and the labor put into it. Not just the fact that it takes nice, uh, tastes nice, but it's an act of, of caring. Like that food is what family to me is based around sharing meals and making meals for each other and extending that to friends is just an extension of family Mm -hmm. to me. I think it's a good opportunity to relax and talk. That's like a real basic thing, but it is probably Gathering for a meal, I feel like, is the thing that has changed the least since humankind began. Right. Like, hunter-gatherer societies, even with, like, and there are hunter-gatherer societies today. I'm just, I'm speaking from hundreds of thousands of years ago, and almost everybody was a hunter-gatherer society. Right. Or was. If you hunted an animal, the, the, being selfish was pointless. You right. could never eat it all. Right. And you could never eat it all before it would go bad, or something else would try to take the food from you. Mm-hmm. So like hunting, a, hunting as a group and eating as a group was like a necessity, mm-hmm. but it also like, it. I don't know. There's, there's something so like lizard brain about it. There's something so primal about it. And like, so like just inherently good and joyful. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's part of why I love our garden. It, it's nice to pr- make and prepare food for us and our family mm-hmm. for, for things that we've made, but also like that, that excess, like more produce or things than we could possibly eat or consume. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding ways to prepare that and give that to people and share that and invite people to meals. It's, it's really, it's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Christy has a lot of thoughts about this because f- food is probably her favorite thing. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Mm. Why not? Why not delight in the, the simple pleasures? Yeah. Um, question from at accommodatingly Stephanie Burt. Stephanie asks a lot of characters get created during or for the purpose of crossovers, e.g., the Beyonder and Boom Boom. Among all these characters and all the stories you've covered, what's your favorite? Okay, so a character that was created as part of a crossover. As part of the crossover. I'm going to go with Pariah. He is a mess. Pariah <laughs> is a mess, and oh, he comes back over and over in crossovers. 
I'm going to go with uh, Singularity, who's probably most recently popped up in the uh, in Kelly Thompson's Captain Marvel, but came about during uh, the A Force portion of Secret Wars. Yeah. So she's just real cool, and she looks like stars. She's a, I, she's I like a space. Her. She is space. <laughs> All right, our last question comes from at KRS. 326, Kyle R. Still, who asks, favorite 90s gimmick covers crossover or not? Mine is going to be the cover of The Death of Superman, which is just the Superman logo, but it's bleeding. <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. It's, that's all it is. I don't know if that's a gimmick or not, but I think it, it might have been like slightly stylized, like textured or something. I can't remember. I don't know if I know enough 90s gimmick covers to even have an answer to this. The crossover that we just covered, Executioner's Song, came in poly bags with trading cards. Oh. And there was another crossover that we have not done that's X-Men early 90s called Fatal Attractions. Those were all, like, like linked, and they mm. had, like, hollow covers. Okay. So a lot of things so are, like, are, comes with stuff. So that is, like, your that's definition a of a gift. Okay. There, a lot of them were, like, comes with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Phalanx Covenant had, like, the hollow, like, Rip. It wasn't the yes. whole cover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did a back and front. X Men number one, which was a Jim Lee, had the back and front cover, like all see, one art piece. And I don't think it had been done much before that. I think it's become more of a thing now. I feel like reading things primarily mm-hmm. digitally takes away any of the joy of a gimmicky cover for me. Yeah, unfortunately, because we don't get the hollow, and they've gone so out of style that any of like the the, the newer ones just don't have it as much. Capullo and Snyder's Batman run would have some covers that were textured. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I've had some lenticulars recently, so like it'll the image will look one way and then it'll look the other way. I'm gonna just create some false memories in my head of being a child and going to, into a comic book store and just like rubbing my hands on the textured comic covers because I would totally do that. Yeah, that sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we uh, we're gonna move back into. Accolades, accolades for our superman and should i creatively should i edit that no you know what we did what we did <laughs> all right christy what's your what's your best line uh my best line i think you're actually gonna have a problem with because i i didn't think about it until the summary uh let me just say what it is yeah so best line a uh, superman flying and says this fossil I dug out of the Gobi Desert finally completes the new hall of learning. Now to put the roof back on and I'm through. <laughs> to me, it was just like, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing and what I'm doing is ridiculous. <laughs> the personal narration of the of these comics is always pretty good. Right. Which I, I didn't think mm-hmm. about. Oh, he stole fossils Yeah, Superman from definitely stole a fossil from the Gobi <laughs> Desert and brought it to America. Good but, job. But the fact that it's like a fully constructed skeleton, I'm like, when did Superman become a skilled paleontologist? Oh, to... yeah, always. always <laughs> He's a hobbyist. Um, my best line comes from Batman, which is when he's talking to Superman he, about Lois, he says, why not? She seems like a charming girl. And it's just... I don't understand it. It's it just, only would have been better if he'd said gal. Oh, it would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's the, the best lines here are just are just fun Silver Age little relics. Yes. How about the cool, your coolest moment? Uh, my coolest moment was Superman just just 
flying under the uh, cruise ship and carrying it across the water because Lois told him to. Yep. <laughs> Mine was Superman putting out the fire. Like, he, like, oh, grabbed yeah. the the The, the water vapor. Thing. Yeah, and, like, also, like, just took the whole truck up. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the most, like, Hollywood moment of the whole... Yeah, it's interesting how much this could have been, like, probably mostly just filmed by people in, like, a soundstage with, like, some creative pulleys. Mm-hmm. It is not that cinematic. Uh, what about the greatest hero here? We have Batman and Superman. Who did you choose? I chose Batman, and I'm trying to remember why. Well, I also chose Batman, so let me give my reasoning and see if it sparks any memories for mm-hmm. you. So, Superman is... Like, has superhuman strength and invulnerability and all of those things. Um, So when there's something Superman has to do, like, when, you know, Batman had to rescue Lois from the fire. Like, going into the fire is still pretty dangerous for Batman. But what really sealed the deal for me was Superman had to steer the ship. So who could go after Lois? Superman just catapults (laughs) Batman through the air. He does just fling him. Like... Batman has grappling hooks. That was not used here. That's good. <laughs> Superman just threw him. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, that's a fairly dangerous thing, being just being thrown at a moving helicopter. That's true. So he faced some, some dangers, some, heroic, very heroically. Some peril. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. Uh, mine, I, I recall, it's also because there's the bit where he literally takes time to disguise himself as Clark. Yes. I thought that was a real bro moment. A broman, if you will. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. What about our Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy? Mine goes to this strange little thief for his misfortune of booking a cruise that Batman and <laughs> Superman are both on <laughs> to try to get away from something. If he would have just moved inland, he would have been fine. I uh, also give it to him, but for the fact that he hid the diamonds in the bullets for his gun, which means he, I guess, anticipated Superman. Mm-hmm. So he put the diamonds in the lead bullets. I mean, that's wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It was. It was just silly. And the fact that he didn't have another gun with actual bullets, or that he didn't just have spare bullets. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It. it it's a. Uh, he didn't plan very well. <laughs> All right. And readers, and this happens to be your first episode and you're not familiar with our Key of C accolade. Our Key of C accolade is a an accolade we give to a moment that we feel would be enhanced by a musical number. Yes. Chris, lay on me. What musical number do you see happening here? Uh, them discovering each other's secret identities. <gasps> We've got a daily double. What? <laughs> Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. So here's how, you know, I envision it. Because we have this, the the internal monologues of what if he realizes I'm Batman? What if he realizes I'm Superman? So we can have some, some of these kind of like internal monologues that are sung and then kind of pauses for a little exchange of speech. You know, you went that bad or this one and da da da. And like all of these things happening. And then the the moment of, of tension, we get the sung internal monologues of how do I change into my costume while you know, without being noticed. Can we hit the lights? And then, you know, the spotlight comes up and illuminating them both. And they have that big moment of reveal. That's like the, at the end of the song. It would and be then good. Scene. Oh, you really thought about this. I did. I thought about it in a very basic sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next accolade is the down with this ship accolade, which is for friendships or romantic ships. Who mm-hmm. do you ship? 
is is there a ship to really choose in this besides no, Batman, Batman and Superman? And Superman. Like they had that you talked about the bro moment of disguising the himself. The the bro moment of yeah. disguising himself as Clark Kent and you know working together and I don't know it's it, it's a strange situation they had being shoved in the same room and they just they were never mean to each other. Yeah, they never seem to struggle to get along. They just work together real well right from the get go. It's great. Mm-hmm. Now the final accolade is the goodest hit award for the uh, best. Wait, is is that also your ship? Yeah. Okay, then we need to have the daily double play again. I don't know if we need to Hit play it, again. Matt D. Wilson. <laughs> Goodness. All right, and last but not least, the goodest hit. I think we established there was maybe only one in this comic. Uh, Batman bashes two people's heads together. Yeah, it's yeah, the great. thief and the the getaway pilot of the helicopter. Yep, just clock. That's the only one. Which you know, it's the only. I hit. don't know. I guess Batman knows how to fly a helicopter because oh, seems... of course he does. <laughs> seems kind of silly to incapacitate the pilot. Of course. <laughs> uh, so our final daily double. Hit it one more time, Matty Wilson. Oh man, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of daily doubles. It was <laughs> a short a comic. <laughs> All right, well, readers, thanks for sticking with us for one hundred episodes. One hundred. All right, we're done. We're done. That's it. No, we're coming at you again. Uh, our next uh, crossover is going to be Extermination with that starts with the E. It's the where the O five end up meeting their final destiny. This is the time displaced O five of the. Oh, X-Men. they finally go back. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us readers, you can do so on Facebook and Twitter at Chris's Pod. You can send us long form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. You could review us if you'd like to on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher that you enjoy. If you give us a five star review on the old iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now, we'll read it out on the show. And if you would like to support us monetarily, our links to our Kofi and Patreon are in the show notes. You can get all sorts of cool stuff, like um, compelling us to do a crossover, which is the next one. Extermination is a listener pick. Mm-hmm. 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 A lot of our Patreon per- perks are just telling Chris and I what to do. It's true. So if you've ever wanted to do that. <laughs> Thank you, readers. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>